Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys. Um, if this is your first time here, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this team. And uh, just so grateful you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday morning here with us. Um, and I really, or I should say we, uh, as a staff here, um, really genuinely hope that this is a place that you can call home. And uh, if you've got questions about what's going on here, how to get connected here on your way out uh, on the info bar uh, area, uh, there's some folks there that can answer uh, your questions that you have. So again, thank you so much for um, being here. We're in this series called Spirit, and so we're taking five weeks together to um, really dive into how the Spirit of God works in our lives and to add in some layers of understanding and knowledge. But most importantly, our hope is that we experience more of the, the Spirit. Um, knowledge of the Spirit is great. It's, it's awesome, and we need that. Um, but really, truly, we want to experience more of the Spirit in our lives. So um, just out of curiosity, um, how many of you guys grew up in a church that didn't talk about the Spirit much at all? Like, kind of like, okay. How many of you guys went the other direction of, like, it got a little wild sometimes? All right, just like, curious, just want to know what I'm talking about. So, like, a lot of times what happens is uh, we're in one of those two camps if you grew up in church. So it's like almost, the Spirit's almost ignored to some degree. And, um, and then sometimes you kind of go the, the other side where it can go a little too much. Sometimes there's healthy environments too, of course. But, but typically people fall on one of those uh, two sides. For me growing up, our church was very charismatic and um, got into it. And there was a lot of interesting things that happened uh, with the Spirit moving. And there were some really powerful things that happened. And then there were some things that were just like wild. All right. And, and even as a kid, like seeing some of it, it was just like, man, some of this just doesn't feel right. And some of it wasn't, all right, because it got to be a little bit too much. Some of it was good, but some of it wasn't. And then I've got some friends that I know that they grew up in church that like literally never talked about the power of the Spirit and the way that the Spirit could move and, and everything, which is a shame as well. And so um, we want to kind of create that kind of sweet space where there's like, all right, we want to fully embrace the power of the Spirit and what that means uh, in our lives. And so if you're new to this whole faith thing, you might be thinking, again, like, man, the whole Spirit stuff might feel like it's like a little bit out here. It's like, man, I don't understand that. And so our goal, again, is to get everyone kind of an equal playing ground here over the, uh, of course, these few weeks together. And so um, last week we talked about that the Spirit is life. And if there's anything you take out of this entire series, that is my hope, is that you realize that the Spirit of God working in your life is actually going to bring you life. And that without the Spirit of God moving, you will never fully live with how God desires you to live. And, um, and so that the Spirit is life. The Spirit breathes life. Romans 8 talks about that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. What an unbelievable message that is to take in. And so it's important that the Spirit is life. And we talked about how the Spirit brings clarity and conviction to our lives. And uh, one of the things that we, we did last week was, was also talking about the, the, how the Spirit is represented in Scripture through fire, through wind, through presence, through energy, through um, breath, right? We talked about the, the breath of God coming into us. And so, so the Spirit moves, and it's this powerful thing. And, and clarity around the Spirit is, is powerful, Clarity uh, and with the Spirit moving in our lives is foundational to how the Spirit begins to move. If, if things are confusing, it's like either we're arguing with the Spirit or it isn't the Spirit. 
Because like when the Spirit of God is moving, we're like, ah, oh, man, this is so clear what God wants me to do, and, and I wanted to in, engage that. And so when things get confusing, though, it, it's odd, right? My niece, Mandy, um, she's now in her 30s, but when she was in high school or just in college, so too old for what I'm about to tell you um, about what she was confused about. Um, and she was in high school or college, and she was over at our house, and we were having this conversation that she believed that everyone in the world thought in English. And then when they just spoke, it would come out in their native tongue. And again, way too old to believe that this was a reality. And, um, and so I'm like, Mandy, what, what do you mean? She's like, yeah. Like, I'm like, so if someone who has never heard the word, like a word in English at all, only speaks Spanish, they think cat in their head, but then they say gato? Like, that doesn't, that's right, right? Like, is it right? All right. So I'm um, like, that, that, that's what they say? And she's like, yes. I'm like, no, that's not like, that's not how like language works and how we're exposed. She was like so confused. I was like, do you know what crazy means? Because that's it, right? Like it's so, but like she was so confused. So, so sometimes I think even when we think about the voice of God and the spirit of God moving in us, we think like, man, this is like so confusing, but it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. The way that the spirit of God actually moves in our life will bring this clarity. And so even when the voice of God begins to, to work in us, we might be thinking, like, is it an audible voice? Um, is that possible, an audible voice? Sure, it's, it's possible. God can do anything. Um, is it likely? No. Okay? So, um, but is it possible? Maybe. Um, is it a monologue? No. Is it a dialogue? Typically, is it, so we were thinking, like, well, how does the voice work? Is it, like, does it, does it sound like me? No. A lot of times if you're like, man, God's voice sounds a lot like mine, it's like, that, that ain't it, all right? So, um, so it's even like, like, no, that's not it. You might think, man, I just, is it like a nudge that I feel? Sometimes is it a hot flash? That could be something else. Like there's, like, there's, no, there's like all these different things that it could be. And so we start thinking, like, what is the clarity, though, that comes in? And that's what I really want to talk about um, today when we start, what does it mean to actually engage the Spirit. And so the, the main thought for this morning is simply this. Our ability to discern what God wants for our life is directly related to how we engage the Spirit. So if you've ever thought to yourself, I, I really want to know what, what God's will for my life is. I really want to know what God is calling me to do. I really want to know. And, and if you've been around Christian circles for a long enough time, you'll hear that language, like God's will for your life, or, or what am I called to be or called to do? You'll, you'll hear that language. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and what can prevent us from actually entering into that. Um, but the Spirit, the way the Spirit moves and how we engage the Spirit, it is critical to understand what God wants us to do. But before, let me give you a warning before that, though. Whenever we talk about um, God's will for our lives— what God wants us to do. Um, sometimes we are searching for safety and to use them as a fortune teller. Sometimes we're like, God, I need you. I want to know exactly what's going to happen in my life, not because you actually desire what God wants for your life, because you just want to be safe or you just want comfort or you just want to know the future so you can make all the perfectly right decisions in your life, right? And that's not how figuring out God's will for your life actually works. And um, my guess is, is quite often um, what we think God's will for our, li our life is, is actually kind of different, and how God actually teases that out for us. And so um, I want to like, invest in that a little bit this morning. So we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read um, starting in verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can take them out, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. 
But 1 Thessalonians 5, so this guy named Paul writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And so if you're not familiar with your Bibles at all, um, the Bibles are split up in your Old and New Testament. And then uh, towards the back end of the New Testament, um, what ends up happening is these new Christian leaders are writing to these new churches. And because all these new Christians are kind of trying to figure everything out. And they're like, we're establishing this group. We're establishing this new church and, and this gathering of people. Like, what does it look like to live it out? And so these uh, authors or these fathers of the church um, started writing these letters um, to these churches. And Paul was one of them. Paul used to hate Christians and tried to kill all of them and then became one of its greatest advocates. And so he writes this letter to the church in Thessalonica and it says this, rejoice always. All right, so these are going to be important here. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstance. For this is, look at that, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right, so all those things right there are incredibly important to understand God's will for your life. And then it says this, and this will actually be our focus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Meaning that the work of God is like working through like every part of your being. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And so I want us to look here at a few things when we think about here, Here's how this looks. How do I discern God's will? And I want you to just see this list because we saw all of these things in this passage that we just read. And so sometimes when we think like that God's will for our life um, is going to be this very specific thing, let me tell you what this specific thing is, that you become in Christ. That is God's will for your life. Okay? Now, for some people, like, no, 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 no. Like, I remember, like, God said I was going to be this when I grew up. And you became that, right? And, and maybe that happened. Maybe that happened. But the reality is, is that when we look at Scripture, when it talks about God's will for our life, there's some very specific things that get, that get teased out here. There are a couple more than just this that we see in Scripture. Um, one is around sexual immorality, and another one is around doing good things um, and being like a, an incredible in, gener, gener, generous influence in your community. And that's God's will for your life. Um, but, but these are the primary things that we see in this passage, to rejoice always. That's God's will for my life? Yes. Paul just said that. This is how you, you want to discover God's will for your life, then be someone who rejoices always. But things are bad. I know. But how do you find to, to be able to rejoice in times that are tough? Pray continually. This is part of this conversation and relationship that's happening with the Spirit of God moving. This is what it means to have God's will, to pray continually. And you might be thinking, like, well, how do I pray continually? Like, what, do I have to, like, while I'm talking to someone, pray at the same time? Sometimes. Like, have you ever been in a meeting? Well, sometimes in a meeting, I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting with people, and they'll be sharing something with me. And, and as they're talking, I'm, I'm just praying, like, God, will your Spirit just move here? Will your spirit just move? Because I actually don't know what to say. And will your spirit just move in this conversation? And so you might be, like, just throughout your day, it's like, how do I have this continuous conversation with God that there's this, I'm praying continually. To be thankful. To be thankful is another one. Uh, the fourth thing there is to be in community. We're going to talk about this in a second. To be in community. Paul writes this letter to a community. It says that God's will for your life is to be in community with other believers. And you cannot ignore that part. 
if you try to isolate yourself from community, then you will kind of, and we'll talk about this in a second, but you will quench the Holy Spirit in your life. And so to be in community, these, these letters that are written are designed to go towards people, and it's going to be fleshed out in people. All right, that's God's will for your life. Uh, the fifth thing is to accept your calling. Accept your calling. And for some of us, um, I, how many of you guys have like heard that language before? Like, you find God's calling on your life? Okay. So people will sit down with me sometimes and be like, I don't, is God calling me to take this job or this job? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, sometimes God's just like, pick. <laughs> That's it. Just choose. Like, I'm, I'm asking you to pray about this, and I'm asking you to like, to, to engage wisdom and community around this. I'm, I'm asking you to be thankful that you have two options. And then here's what I want you to do. Pick one. Okay? And, and here's your calling in that job, to be Christ in that job. To be in Christ. Like your calling in whatever context you're in is to be in Christ. Might there come a time, sure, like you might be choosing between like, should I take this job or this job or whatever it is, or should I date this person or not this person? Like sometimes like those, those things are clear, right? Because one's unethical or one's immoral or one, whatever. And those are things like, I know God doesn't want me here for this. But sometimes we just got to have, like at the end of the day, your calling, every single one of us have the same calling. And that's to be in Christ in every context that we're in. And so, you know, for some of you guys, like, you were called to be a pastor. Yes, I think this is what fleshed out in my life. Um, but what, how did it happen in my life? It was like little by little, God was just chipping away. And then all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, here I am. I never, like, I never had this moment where like, this is it, man. I am supposed to be a pastor. God just called me to that. That's not actually part of my story. It's just like, man, I loved being in the business world, in the corporate world. I loved my job. And my whole thought process in my job was like, I just want to be, I just want to be a light in this world. And I just kept, that was, my, that was my focus, just be in Christ in my job. And then what ended up happening was little by little, God started chipping away. And then ended up doing this. And here we are. So was I called to be a, a, a pastor? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like I ended up being one, right? But for some of you guys, it's like, Hey, in the job that you're in, that even if you hate it right now, guess what you're called to be? In Christ. And that through that, God will just continue to work because that's God's will for your life. That's why we ask questions of ourselves like, is this pleasing to God? Or is this Christ-like? These are questions we ask ourselves in the context that we're in. Why? Because our calling is to be in Christ. And then the uh, sixth thing there that you see is don't quench the spirit. And that's going to be our focus uh, for today. Don't quench the spirit. So these six things that are actually listed, the spirit of God um, works best in our lives in a prepared environment. And this is how we have a prepared environment. It's like, man, do we want the spirit of God to move in us and hear the voice of God like in, in like a clearer way? Then this is how we begin to prepare the environment, prepare ourselves for uh, the move of Christ in us. Here's something else that I want us to consider. That the spirit always leads us to Jesus, okay? So you will, the spirit, you, you can't ever say the words the Spirit led me, or I felt like God was leading me to make a decision that didn't also associate with something that Jesus taught. 
So the Spirit will always lead us to Jesus. Therefore, therefore, this is why this quenching is, is important. Therefore, quenching the Spirit leads us to denying Jesus. So if we're doing things that quench the Spirit's move in our lives, then eventually we'll end up denying Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. Not me. And I would say, yes, you. Here's why, because we're all, all susceptible to this. We can all like, line up our lives in such a way, and some of them can be with good things. And we can line them up in such a way that we're actually quenching the Spirit of God in our lives. Um, an easy one to use would be like, let's say, is work bad? No, no, y'all. Like, work is not bad. Actually, right before this passage that we read talked about what it, like, the problem with laziness. I should, in retrospect, I should put that in there. But work is not bad. Being a hard worker is good. It is a good thing. But when you consistently either overwork, right? If you overwork, you can actually quench the spirit in your life. Because you become so consumed in the environment that you're in, you're actually doing things to ignore the Spirit of God moving in your life because you're so consumed with other things. And, and the reverse of that can also be true if you're, you're lazy and you're just kind of resting. Like, like one of the things that we've kind of heard throughout this, this year is, you know, some people have needed unemployment, right? But then others, others have kind of milked the system. And guess what they're doing in that moment? They're actually quenching the Spirit of God in them. And so it's setting up ourselves for the right environment and the right way for the voice of God to actually work. So let's talk about um, how, how we can quench the Spirit. Here's the first way. You disconnect from community. This is one of the biggest ways. Um, because he, when the Spirit is moving, you, you need uh, other people around you. And so um, it's also important when the Spirit of God is moving to understand that that the Spirit of God might be working in your life in a certain way right now, in my life in a certain way right now, in another person's life in a certain way right now, and this person over here in another certain way. And it's like when you guys get together, here's what ends up happening. You're like, what? The Spirit of God can move like that? I thought it was just like in my little corner over here. And it's like, no, 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 no. Bigger than that. The Spirit of God moves in this incredible way. And we only see that in its fullest context when we're in community together. Um, you know, throughout COVID in this year, it was easy to get disconnected from community. And I understood why it happened for people. Um, you end up, like, you just get used to, like, sitting at home, right? You get used to the ease of maybe watching something on the screen. You get used to the, the fact that you just kind of like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do this, or I don't want to engage this. And, and, and some of it was like, it just happened to all of us to some degree. But it was easy to get disconnected. So even when we began gathering again and, and things like that, like you just, it was easy to get disconnected. Some folks who are watching online right now, like they're still in that place where they're like, ah, I'm just not ready yet. And I get it. it I understand it. Like that, that happens. But even if we're just like going to be online, or it's like we need community. And we got to figure out how does that, what does that look like for us? You can't just do this on your own. And here's what I just started to see throughout time, um, month after month, in some people that um, you know, used to be like really committed to things, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, man, I haven't seen them in a long time. Or whoa, man, I see them. they're doing a lot of other things in community, but they're not actually engaged in like church community anymore. Or what is it? Are they disconnected from their faith? Are they, what, what's going on? And here's how I see it. The disconnection leads to disorientation. 
that a lot of times when I sit and talk with people, I'm like, hmm, when you got disconnected, like things just got disoriented. And, and what you think is normative isn't actually what's the healthiest thing for you. You don't realize maybe how far things have gone. And so we can do this in so many different ways, but that disconnection from community disorients our thoughts. And we can go long periods of time of being without community, and we think we're technically fine. But the reality is, is we're totally disoriented, and we're doing things to actually quench the Spirit of God moving in our lives. And that becomes a massive deal when we're trying to ground ourselves and to, to learn how to grow and be challenged and everything within the context of community. What ends up happening in this disorientation is our ears become numb to the Spirit of God because we oriented our lives to ignore Him. And so when we disconnect and we get disoriented, all of a sudden we order our lives in such a way that we can't even hear the Spirit of God moving because guess what? Everything we do is oriented towards ignoring Him. We don't have the challenge of other people being like, did God really say that? We didn't have the challenge of, of other people holding us accountable and being responsible for our actions and how we're engaging. You see, what ends up happening is our availability within the context of community is like it, it, it has an incredible impact on our spiritual vitality. So if it's like if your desire, and this is a decision you have to make, if you want a, uh, your spiritual vitality to be very high, and very engaged in your faith and growing in your faith and everything, then you have to be available in community. If you're not, it won't happen. If you're not, it, it won't happen. You'll, you'll hit a point and it's like fine, but you'll never actually grow. And eventually what happens is it leads you in the other direction. And so here's one way to think about it. If we're the only voice we hear, we will deceive ourselves and eventually deny Jesus. We need other voices in our life. We need other people in our life who are committed to following Jesus. We need people to speak truth to us. We need people to hold us accountable. We need people to talk about and challenge us and call us out when we're not doing what we should be doing. You guys know this, right? Like when things get disoriented and you were kind of away from your faith, what's the first thing you do? You go away from people who will tell you the right things. Like I knew like for 12 years of my life, roughly, I was making horrible decisions. The last person I wanted to talk to was someone who took their faith seriously. That would be like, you probably shouldn't. I'd be like, I know, I probably shouldn't. Right? Like, that's what you do. <laughs> right? And so, like, the first thing that we do in the moment that we're like, we disconnect from people. That's what happens. Why? Because we're all disoriented. And we think what we're doing is normative, but it actually isn't. And this becomes why it's so important. So when we think about the spirit moving and so we don't quench it, I just, there is like a, an understanding of like, all right, I need to make sure I'm connected with people who are also seeking out the spirit of God in their life. Who are seeking out the right things to engage. Here's the second thing that will quench the spirit. You become risk averse. You become risk averse. Now, how many of you guys are thrill seekers? Yeah. yeah. All right. There we go. The spirit of God has moved. No. Um, I'm not saying that when you're like, all right, man, I'm going to be in the spirit of God. I'm just going to be so risky. So I'm just going to like go jump off something and like midway, but like spirit. <laughs> right? It's like, it's just being dumb. Right? So that you can't forget that with spirit comes wisdom. But we can become risk adverse. 
You see, um, to follow Jesus and allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, um, safety and comfort don't actually go along with that. You see, here's the thing about the Spirit of God. It is disruptive. When the Spirit moves, it's going to confront things in you, and it's going to be disruptive. It is not safe. It is not comfortable. Those moments are not comfortable. But what we do see is when the Spirit moves, like even though those moments with the Spirit aren't comfortable, man, they bring clarity and have the sense of conviction to move us in the right direction. But when we just want to play it safe, Here's what ends up happening. If you want safety and comfort, and this is like, so, so safety and comfort comes along with just kind of consuming, okay? So when we just kind of com- become consumers of the Spirit of God or consumers of Jesus or consumers of church, and we just kind of come in, come out, whatever, and we just consume, 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 and this is about me, my preferences, consume, 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 um, here's what you're going to actually do. You're going to muzzle the voice of God in your life because it's about safety and comfort. But when we open ourselves up, there's this element. You know, we just sang in that, that one line, um, so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation, right? Here's what you'll do. When you want safety and comfort, you'll always negotiate with God. I don't want to. But what if I just kind of stop doing this? Will you let me do this? Rather than being like, I'm going to open myself up to the Spirit and, and allow the Spirit to move in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Here's one way to think about it. Searching for comfort doesn't make us Christ-like. It makes us complacent and susceptible to, to temptation. Sometimes those same temptations that keep coming over us over and over and over again, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes it's because we've gotten comfortable And we're not allowing the Spirit of God to just really um, seep into us. We're not allowing a community of people to gather around us. So to be comfortable in situations is not actually, um, if we're just like comfortable, that should be an early indicator that maybe the Spirit needs to move more in our lives. You should always feel this little edge of like, oh, let me push, let me push, let me push, and feel that tension. how many of you guys are around non-Christians or in your life? Yeah, right, which is good. You should always feel a little bit of tension there. Just being like, oh, I'm around folks that don't like, believe the same way that I do. Um, is this the time I'm supposed to engage in this faith conversation? Should I say something here? Because here's what we know. Like, we see this throughout Scripture. That there's a boldness and courage and courageous na- nature to, to the Spirit of God moving. Now, I'm not saying you be a jerk, right? Like if you're at, you're at work and someone's sharing something that happened that you know is not like kind of going along with the Spirit of God, you can't be like, hey, you know that's sinful, right? Like don't, don't do that. There are times, there are times where we can be um, in a grouping of people and we just need time with them. And you're just kind of like prepping the way for that moment where God's going to move and they're like, ah man, I'm so glad you just stayed with me throughout all of this and that you didn't become judgmental and you didn't become so aggressive in in your language and everything. But here's my fear is too often we operate actually out of fear and comfort in those relationships and we're so timid that people don't actually know that we believe something different or that we live something different or we think something different. 
And so it's important then to step in in that way and make sure, make sure that we're actually kind of keeping up with the Spirit. Make sure that we are bold and crazy, that there is a differential. Um, you know an easy way to know if you've kind of gotten too timid, that you go along with what people say that aren't Christians, that you go along with things that they say that you know are not good because the Bible told you so, but you kind of go along with it and you blend in. So someone talks, like someone deems something really good and you kind of blend into the conversation even though you know Scripture already said it isn't. It's like, hmm, we've gotten too timid. We're too risk adverse in the midst of this. And we can't fully open ourselves up until we're vulnerable um, to the Spirit and vulnerable to the people around us. You know, some of this timidity and some of this stuff that goes on, it's because we won't confess to who we really are. We won't be honest with people around us. We won't be vulnerable with our struggles. There's a difference between transparency and, and vulnerability. We talked about this before. Um, transparency is sharing information. Vulnerability is sharing information with the possibility of getting hurt. And so what we really need is vul like vulnerable people. Like we should be a vulnerable community. Be like, hey, I just need to be honest with where I really am. And I need to, you to be with me in this. Because that's when the Spirit of God can actually move one way to think about it is the Spirit moves in our surrender, not in our manipulation and hiding. When we're fully willing to just put ourselves out there and be like, here I am, and allow people around us begin to speak into that, that authentic confession shows a desire for the Spirit of God to actually move it in us. It becomes critical to understanding, like, understand how God wants us to work and God's will in our lives. And so here's another thing too. With risk comes times of disappointment. This is something around the spirit that um, if you've ever prayed for a miracle in someone's life, um, here's what we actually see. Here's something that's interesting in scripture, that when the spirit of God is moving in something, the lost becomes saved. It's always great news for the poor and the marginalized, and miracles happen when the spirit's moving. You kind of see that thread. But sometimes we can think, well, the spirit is moving so this person's going to definitely be healed and a miracle is going to happen. But maybe not. And there can be a level of disappointment that happens in that moment. Sometimes you might be praying aggressively for somebody to, to come to a knowledge of Jesus. And it's like, man, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying. You think you're almost there and then it doesn't happen. But here's what the most important part, and that's why it talks about rejoice always and pray continually and to be thankful it's like in this moment, and even in the times where we were like, man, we're going to put ourselves out there. We're going to be a little uh, more, more bold and courageous in this, and we're going to pray for big things and pray for miracles to happen and everything else, and we want to see the Spirit move in this way. And, and the reason why that can be disappointing is because we don't fully get what we want sometimes. But hey, in those moments, we are thankful, and we're going to continue to pray. And we're going to continue to be in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus in the midst of that. And sometimes there's a disappointment there. But that's okay. We keep having this risky element to us, this bold, courageous way to begin to live our lives. Here's the third thing. Lack of engagement can stop us from experiencing the Spirit. This lack of engagement can mean um, lack of engaging the like, study of Scripture. Lack of engagement can mean, that, you know, stop engaging people around us. Lack of engagement can mean, um, last week I talked about in Exodus 31 where the Spirit of God moved and what God did was he took that person's gifts and brought life into them. So even not allowing God to like breathe life into our gifts, not allowing whatever gift that you have, be like, oh God, I want you to breathe life into this. I want you to engage in this way. Here's another way that's interesting. Look at this in Ephesians 5. 
This one, I was reading it this week. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And then look what it starts saying after that. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading that. I'm like, hold on a second. So you're telling me that to be filled with the Spirit is just tie into actually singing. And that if we're not engaged in singing, that we're going to miss out on the Spirit of God moving in us. And that was like fascinating for me to read. Because like, if you're filled with the Spirit, then what ends up happening is just attachment to music and singing. That something stirs in us. There are certain songs, right, that will get you on the dance floor. Right? Some of you guys, most of you guys, right? Certain songs you hear, you're like, there it is, I'm out. Right? Like, and so, like, there's something to that. But there's a song that can come on that, like, like reaches deep into your soul, right? There's something, there's this attachment that happens with music that God has designed, and he wants us to be engaged in it authentically, not for show, but there's something when the Spirit of God moves it, man, I'm, there's this connection that happens with the music and I'm supposed to engage. And so when we willingly refuse to engage in singing together, we're also, we're like, all right, I'm not going to fully engage the spirit of God moving. And it could be in your own way. I'm not saying like everyone's got to be hand raisers or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to shout it out to the depths of your soul because that might not be your personality. You know, some of you guys, I think you kind of lie because you used to dance on tables and now you're pretty still. But like they're... <laughs> But like, there's, but there's like a reality that, man, something drums up inside of us, this connection to singing, that, man, we get in environments like this, and we're just like, mm, I'm not going to. And I'll just say this. You're missing out. It, it, here's how I'll see, you know this. Um, I remember the first service we had coming back live after being, you know, online for so long. And listen, we did all the pre-recording stuff online, and the band did great, and it sounded awesome, and everything else. But my God, when we got in here live and sang together, I mean, I started tearing up and crying at one point because I was like, you cannot duplicate this. You can't do it. There's just something about it when you engage in the spirit is moving. It's like, you, this is just a thing. That God has designed it to be this way. And so there's something with that as well. And here's the last thing. This is a quick one. We demand control. You want to quench the spirit, demand control. Here's, here's how I thought about it. We don't interact with the spirit as a resource. It is a relationship. So we don't go, like if I want to, if I'm like studying something, I'm using something for my own knowledge. But man, to interact with the spirit is to be in relationship. I'm not demanding control from the spirit. I'm not demanding the spirit to do anything that the spirit doesn't want to do. I'm, like, I'm in relationship with the Spirit of God. When our goal is just about a certain kind of outcome, we will hear what we want from the Spirit. I've sat with people who have told me that they have prayed a lot and that they're supposed to be dating this person. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, there is no way that the Spirit of God told you to date that dude. Like, there's just no way, right? I mean, like, literally nothing lines up, right? It's like, he's going to move. Right? That ain't going to happen, right? But we, but we see. 
But this is what, what, what is it? In that moment, you're just praying for what you want. That's it. And we're trying to demand control from the spirit in there. So understanding, like, man, I got to think about this, engage this differently. Sometimes we demand control from the spirit by doing this. But I've been good, so I deserve this. I've done all these right things, so God, will you please? And some of those things, those desires that you might have might be really great desires. I'm not even diminishing those desires. They might be great desires, but you still might have in your head like, man, God, I've done everything the right way, so we deserve to have a baby. It's a beautiful thing to want a child. It's a beautiful thing to pray and have that desire. But just because you did this doesn't mean you actually get this. That's not how God works. If we think of God in that manner, we are using him as a vending machine. And so it's important to begin to think, like, oh, man, this is not right. Doing the right things does not mean you are becoming the person God wants you to be. You see, we can fool ourselves sometimes into thinking we're linked in with the Spirit of God just because we're doing good moral things. But really, when we're linked in with the Spirit of God, we're trying to become who God wants us to be. That is, that's the goal. I want to become who God wants me to be. I'm not doing good things to try and justify anything. I'm, I'm becoming who God wants me to be. So here's a couple of questions to ask yourself. Am I, or a question. Am I allowing God to change me, or am I trying to convince God to go my way? So, When we begin to kind of think through this part, and we're just going gonna to sing one more song, and then, um, but before we do that, I just want us to pause. Because when we think about ways that we might be quenching the Spirit, this is actually incredibly important to really take a step back for a second. And now here's the beauty of this. You, you can have a moment of confession and vulnerability by yourself today, okay? I would encourage you to take that and bring it to someone else after this. But I first want us to just have this moment of confession and vulnerability with God and to truly be honest and be like, this is how I'm quenching the spirit moving in my life. And have a moment of honest confession and then your next thing to do will be to go to someone else that's in your life and be like, hey, this is something that I confess today. And I just want you a part of this with me. So we're going to take a minute. Let's have some time with silence and allow God and see how God's speaking to your life. And then I'll pray and then we'll sing one more song. Thank you so much for watching with us this morning. If you are out there and have questions, prayer needs, or want to get better connected, check in on our website so you can stay in the loop. See you next week.